first thing, uh, first thing I'd like to do is is create a context of, of First Peter for this morning's uh, thoughts, and to do that, I've uh, somewhat randomly chosen uh, the 14th chapter of Acts, and, and I want to have it read aloud by uh, Gretchen. Uh, verse 1 to 22 uh, with this in mind First um, Peter was written just a year they, they, they're pretty sure uh, a year before this great persecution broke out in Rome uh, 63 AD and <coughs> Rome was burned probably uh, on purpose by Nero they don't want to be sure. <clears throat> but it was blamed on the Christians. We've, we've heard this, but this is a real significant thing. This book was written right before that. And, and then not too long after that, about 70 AD, six years later, Jerusalem was destroyed. <coughs> and that's, that's where Pentecost took place, was in Jerusalem. The beginning of the church was in this environment of Rome and uh, the nation of Israel. So I think it's, it's real healthy to remember that. So we're going to read this chapter with that, that in mind. I'm, I've been assigned First um, Peter 4.12 through the end of the chapter... And for the fifth time, we're, we're right again back to this subject of suffering. And, um, and, and <coughs> it's not fair just to apply all suffering to what Peter's talking about. It's fair to bring that in and to learn from what Peter says about suffering. But this is what he was talking about. He lived through this. He himself was jailed. Um, this particular passage is, is about uh, Paul and Barnabas. So let's go ahead and have it read. Will you read that? Chapter 14, 1 to 22. In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed, both of Jews and of Greeks. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. Therefore they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord who was testifying to the word of his grace granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided and some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles and when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Laconia, Lystra, and Derbe, and the surrounding region, and there they continued to preach the gospel. At Lystra, a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb who had never walked. The man was listening to Paul as he spoke, 
who, when he had fixed his gaze on him and had seen that he had faith to be made well, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying in the Laconian language, The gods have become like men and have come down to us. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowd. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their robes and pushed out into and rushed out into the crowd, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you, and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, and yet he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even saying these things with difficulty, they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day, he went away with Barnabas to Derbe. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And then we'll read uh, <coughs> the passage of today, First Peter 4, 12 to, to 19. But again, what, what Gretchen just read there ended with Paul telling, <coughs> telling the uh, new believers that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And that's really the message of this morning. Verse 12. Behold, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for the test, for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. By no means let any of, of, of you suffer as a murderer or thief or evildoer or troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not feel ashamed, but in that name let him glorify God. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins 
with us first what, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God and if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved what will become of the godless man and the sinner therefore let those also who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right let's pray Father, just take take these words and inspire us to uh, live more holy for you. Uh, Lord, just uh, use use your word to uh, draw us into uh, doing what what you would have us to do, and not what we want to do. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, Beloved, do not be surprised. This is this is uh, something that that uh, I think I, I think it's something that's been lacking in, in my Christian heritage, uh, and I think I know why. Uh, not that they're not that I haven't experienced suffering, but Acts 14 presents a totally different picture than I've never seen anybody stolen. Have you? Uh, no, I've seen stuff close to this in Morocco, but never here in, on the Key Peninsula or in my life. I've never felt threatened here. I have in Morocco. And <coughs> but I think this is a reason why I feel. I, I've not really been drawn to memorize and meditate on this because it's really not a part of my life. What's been a part of my life is seeing people come to Christ and accepting Christ, not really rejecting it in the way that the gospel was rejected in that 14th chapter of Acts. Not the same. I've had, surely I've had as many people as you have not want to talk to me about anything religion. But that's as bad as it gets. I, I never have to worry about being killed. And Paul, they thought he was dead. The, the disciples were standing around him and he just got up and went back in. And that's what this is talking about. So here's, so you gotta, you gotta be fair to scripture. We, we, we always this that is my inheritance is uh, you take it all together wherever it leads you follow so you're looking at something here that is it real or not well certainly it is real because um, it's the word God and uh, and here's here's what here's what I think is you know, my inherited realities. I've been born in a part of the world that has been evangelized. There are a dozen good churches within 10 miles of this one that I could go to and be at home in. And this is the most unevangelized part of the United States, they say. That's not true in in Morocco, that's not true. In Libya, that's not, you know, just today's news. Probably a few of you looked 
on your news today, but dozens and dozens of Ethiopian Christians were killed in Libya today. Had their heads cut off. That's, that's, you know, dozens, not, not just one or two. How many stories are we talking about here? How many testimonies? How many of those were genuinely Christian? You know, that's something you, you find in these environments would have been true with uh, in Rome and the burning of Rome. It, it's not just the true Christians who get caught into the persecution. It, it, uh, when persecution breaks out, it often is indiscriminate. And it, and it brings in people who aren't, in fact, part of who's at the focus, like the Jews. It wasn't just the Jews in World War II. It included the gypsies. It included the homosexuals. It included a lot of different people. But it, the real focus was the Jews. And that's what's happened. That's what hap- it happens, is happening now in the Middle East in the killing of Christians. Some of those people, if not a lot of them, are true blue believing Christians. And they're being killed for not submitting to Islam. That's what makes me think a lot of those may be true blue Christians. Because who wants to be real easy just to say, yeah, I'm a Muslim. You know, why not? If you're not a Christian, just, or even if you are, just a lot to save to save your neck. But you really don't know. We never we never will. But we can be sure that some of our brothers and sisters are, are being killed today uh, in Libya and throughout the Middle East. And I this is where I I think uh, the real you know the reality of Scripture. Is is um, is you might say universal. It's not just for us. It's much greater than than my little Christian inheritance. In other words, the gospel has been spreading since it started. The world, the uttermost parts of the world, have not been reached. There, there has always been a time when there has been. The, the spread of the gospel to places where it doesn't exist. And in those cases, invariably, there's severe persecution. And I just happen to be put down in a part of the world where we read about it, we don't experience it. But the fact is, it has been going on forever. Acts 14, the stoning of Christians, the persecution of Christians, and the preaching of the true gospel in hostile environments has been going on. We just don't see it. We don't hear about it. And <clears throat> so this beware, or, or, or beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, I think is very fiery. It's not the lightweight stuff we experience. Because um, Acts 14 presumably has already happened by the time this is, and Peter's already been through jail and out. By the way, Peter is is killed just a couple of years after these books are written. 
So that's another thing to think about. Our heroes of the faith end up getting killed. That would have been a sad day if you'd actually been part of that. You might have thought, darn, I thought we were winning. I thought the gospel was spreading. And Peter gets killed. Paul gets killed. We don't really, we don't, we don't have that story. Which to me speaks to God doesn't care about recording how Willie easy, easily suffers or any, anybody else. What he cares about is his gospel because that's what he's given to us. That's what he has purchased. That's what has cost him his son. So he, he just, there's, all, there's thousands of stories that could be read about dying for Christ. But we don't have any of them. What we do have is a lot written about the death of Jesus. And, and this passage connects this kind of Christian experience of hostile environment and possible death with Christ. Christ suffered and we suffered. And again, I'm not, I'm not belittling our suffering. Um, I'm just saying that the suffering that he's talking about here is what, is what comes when the gospel is preached. And that, <clears throat> that uh, is, is, let's see, verse 14, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. By no means let any of you suffer as a murderer, thief, evildoer, troublesome meddler. In other words, I mean, we, we do bad things and we suffer for that. There are, there, are, there, there are several reasons for suffering. But I'm just pointing out that this is, is the, the, the suffering that we're, we're reading about here is the kind of suffering that, that Gretchen read about in Acts 14. That the gospel was preached and persecution uh, broke out. Not the others. The others being like Job. Job was tested. And, and we all are tested in one way or another. And those are serious things. Um, but I, I just think it's unfair to this text to not emphasize that the, 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 the persecution being spoken of here is for being a Christian. It says one of the few places the word Christian is used in verse 16. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, not, it doesn't say suffers because God is disciplining you. Not because uh, you are being tried, but as a Christian. Because you are known as a Christian. That's what's front and center here in terms of suffering. Let him not feel ashamed, but in that name, let him glorify God. <clears throat> and I'm not saying we don't experience a, a, a tinge of, of suffering, but not as much as what you read about in Acts. And, and I just, I think we just need to be conscious that uh, today, particularly uh, with what's going on in the world, 
that uh, you know our brothers and sisters in Christ are experiencing acts kind of persecutions um, and it could be coming our way you know that's another thing to keep in mind is God's timing God, yeah, the Bible really is all about timing you know I love I love it in Romans 5 where it says and in just the right time he came and those many places in the gospel where Jesus says my time has not come yet it, this, this idea of God ordering our lives is very much a part of scripture and that includes the period of history in which we find ourselves and we're still alive so we, we this, this admonition to not be surprised at fiery ordeals applies to us don't be surprised if it does come. It may. And <clears throat> so beware. Verse, let's see. Well, you know, a great a great thing to ask is well, verse 14, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, have any of you been reviled for the name of Christ? That'd be a great thing to talk about. Um, again, whatever you say, it's not going to be anything like, I don't think, uh, Acts 14. Yeah, but, it does happen. I, I remember... I mean, my memory goes back to sixth grade. That Charles Wright. I mean, I just can't believe I remember this guy's name, because I don't remember names very well. But his name was Chris Conti. Did you ever know him? I didn't know Gretchen in sixth grade. But <laughs> shortly after that, I did. But this guy was one of these real brainy guys and, and knew everything about everything. He was a pretty nice guy. And we got talking, and I. Well, I don't know really other than we were talking about Christianity but I, what I'll never forget is, is he just uh, in a kind of mocking way uh, embarrassing way uh, was trying to convince me and my friends that I was a Christian just because my parents was a Christian, were Christians and I had never thought about that in the sixth grade it was the first time I had been challenged to ask myself why are you a Christian? And I would have been at that time because that's I would have been 11, 12 years old, and and uh, I became a Christian more like se at seven years of age, and I just never run into somebody who would challenge that, and so I first saw it in sixth grade, and it didn't end there. I mean, I I went on and at that very school and you know had Bible studies and. My teachers encouraged me. It was all the opposite of Acts 14. My parents encouraged me. Uh, I just, in terms of persecution, it was just Chris Conn in the sixth grade. Big deal. Um, I do, I, I remember a time in my dad's life where one of his, he was 
uh, the executive branch manager of IBM here in Seattle and he had four managers one of whom was a Christian and dad was very outspoken in, in his faith he was always sharing the four spiritual laws with people and, and I'll never forget this because it was a serious time in our, in our family this guy they, IBM had this policy that if if, you're, if you had a serious complaint about your boss um, you could go around his back and go to his boss but if you did that one of the two were going to be fired you follow me? so if, you had, if, if your boss was doing something that was just wrong and you want and you want to do something about it you had this option you were free to go to his boss but in doing that you knew that either you or he was going to lose his job so when this happened of course you know for months at the dinner table uh, dad would talk about this and I just I just remember Dad being totally at ease, having no, because the, the accusation had something to do with Dad being aggressive in his witness in this environment, and and Dad just didn't care. He wasn't going to put that down for his job, and the other guy lost and was fired. But I just remember my father's attitude, and that that's a bit of a persecution. You stand up. In the, in the workplace for your for your beliefs and you get in trouble that really happens all the time that is an American kind of persecution but again it's nothing like Acts 14 or what we're reading about here the people reading this are about to face the lions literally in Rome and, and this, this kind of serious persecution goes on, I believe, for 400 years. Um, and again, we're just fortunate to not have been born during those 400 years. Or, as it is today, in the Middle East. Uh, thank God that you were born wherever you were born. But, um, nevertheless, we learn from this passage to rejoice. It's, it says, to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. And it's fair to uh, associate our sufferings, although it's, it's minor, with the sufferings of Christ. Because he, he died. I'm going to die. You're going to die. Um, he died. So if we go through that process, if we haven't yet, but if, when we do, when that comes, and it most surely will, we can rejoice. I mean, that's an option, is to go through that rejoicing. Because he, our Savior, did it himself. He showed us how to die. And that, that I don't see anybody else showing you how to die. That's a great thing to hold on to. What I imagine holding on to, and I, I imagine, I mean, I watched my parents die and my grandparents, and, and you can see that, 
people who die of old age, they, they, they accumulate less and less friends. Just the opposite of accumulate. They, fewer and fewer people come around the sea. And that, I remember that with my grandmother at, at, at um, Cottagemore and mom and dad as they died at our, in our house. That just as years go by, you just get more and more by yourself. And the very last moments of death, you are really by yourself. Here's a verse I, I would like to hold on to for those closing hours of life here on earth. And that's this verse 19. Therefore, let those also who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. The, the commentators on that verse speak of depositing money in a bank. You take your valuables, whatever it is, open up a, a safe deposit box and you put it in there and you can go home and, and, and rest assured that nobody's going to steal it from you. It's a bank. Nobody steals that kind of stuff from a bank. That's what he's talking about here. Because I, I also think that when you approach death, that there's going to be lots of opportunities to doubt. But this verse is saying, just think of it as a deposit. Your creator is the one who's put this in the bank. Don't worry about it. This would be a real thing to throw back at the devil trying to convince you that you're going to hell. No. We're, we're dealing with a creator person who created everything and he's the one who's put the deposit in the bank we're not ever going to lose it so <coughs> that's, uh, that's that's a suffering that is coming for, for all of us and, and uh, but again I just I'm so impressed with the gospel the, the gospel is not static it's not neutral it, it moves. It grows. Um, there are many, many portions of, of the New Testament that uh, the Gospels that speak of, of the growth of the Gospel, like, like leaven and bread, or you know, sowing the seed. Some of it lands on good ground, some of it lands on bad ground. And um, matter of fact, in that particular parable, there's made reference to you know, when the, when the troubles of this earth come, they just set aside the work. And, and thereby, you know, persecution comes and they run the other way. In other words, the seed didn't take hold. But then there's seed that, that falls on good ground and it multiplies. Uh, and there you, you see the picture of the church. Uh, in our day, it is growing, and I, you can be sure—you <coughs> can be sure of one thing—that you're not going to hear about the growth of the church in these countries that are unreached by the gospel, because the media is not going to cover that stuff. And it's—it just like us in Morocco, we can't really talk about it. We can't have a website. We want fewer Westerners to know about it, not more, because it's foolish to to set yourself up as a target for the bad guys. So you, 
You just stay, keep a low profile. And that, that's true throughout the entire Islamic world. 1.7 billion people. So uh, all of your mission societies, Whitcliffe and New Tribes and Southern Baptists, uh, they just keep their mouth shut when it comes to witness and church planning in these, quote, closed countries. Not because you don't want people to know about it, but it's stupid to tell people about it when, when it exposes the people to great danger. So you're not going to hear about it. But don't... You know, that's, that's just a, a word for leave that as, as, a, as a point to be excited about that you're really not going to hear about or see till we get to heaven. You're not going to hear about these Muslims rejecting Islam and becoming and following Jesus, uh, particularly in Ethiopia, unless you know people in Ethiopia, I don't, or in Egypt. There are really a lot of Christians in Egypt, genuine Christians. Um, Egyptian Christians, not expatriate Christians. And um, you're not going to hear about it. But you can be sure that they're reading this very passage and they're trying to figure out, you know, how do I rejoice? In what way can I rejoice? And, and um, this is, it would take on a whole new meaning if we were in Egypt with those people. But, um, you know, this verse 14, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. That's a promise. You know, and, and I can just say that that's just really true. Uh, in, in, our, in our work in Morocco, it's just, we've been, <coughs> we had a, we had an employee sue us. And, um, over money. Morocco was very socialistic and and they followed France and if you leave or if you get fired in France, then Morocco's copied this. Uh, who's ever fired you is have to, has to give them an enormous amount of money. That's to keep employers or penalize employers from firing people. That's the purpose of it. Um, well, we do it all the time. We're always firing people who are lazy and, and don't deserve money. We did this to one of the kids, or sometimes we're busy and not so busy. Well, this one kid so sued us, and he won. That wasn't a bad thing. And we didn't give him a dime. We, we lost, when I say we, it was Joey. This is, this is an interesting, everything, every time there's a problem in Morocco, Joey's there. <laughs> and I'm here. And I love it. And, and but here, here was the real heartache. Other employees who had been, who had been baptized, Yusuf. I don't think you guys met Yusuf. Maybe you did, Dave. Um, others who had been baptized, uh, Abdurrahman, the guy whose wife had been hit by lightning, baptized believer. And I, I still believe he's genuinely. A believer followed this guy that we fired in and be in suing us because we had laid him off for up not for being lazy but 
not having work. But these other guys followed this guy in court. And so, you know, about half of our baptized believers end up suing us over money. So you start wondering, you know, who's on our side and who isn't. It's very discouraging. But I, I kept telling myself through this whole thing that, you know, this, this is going to prove to us who really is on our side. Tuhami went through this. Jamal went through this. And they're still with us. So there's a purifying effect to persecution or to trials. I mean, the, the bad guys left. And what you're left with are the good guys. And so you just, you, you rejoice that the people left behind are true blue believers. They're in it for Jesus and not for the money. Which, isn't that what we want? So that trial proved itself to be a blessing in what we're doing there. Uh, there's, there's, um, there are other situations like that where uh, it was, you know, particularly with other Christians, expatriate Christians, but it turned out to be a good thing in the end. So these difficult times, trials, whatever you want to call them, have a tendency to uh, glorify God and, and make me happy when it's all over. And particularly when Joey takes care of it all. And so <clears throat> another thing that is, is at least in my stories parallel to that is both my parents died and that, that's hard. It's hard to... You, you've, while you've been through this, it's, it's hard to help your parents die. I was in Morocco for both of them. And, and Joey was here for Gretchen. So I just... I mean, I didn't plan it that way. That's just the luck of the draw. So I avoided that. And... So God just, you know, He knows what Willie can handle. So he just kind of gets me out of the way when the real troubles come. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, you know these these are minor things, in my opinion, of getting your head cut off. And the effect of that on your family is pretty pretty difficult. Uh, or these Moroccans, like 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 uh, Fadi, you know, this imam who who has he just walked away from the mosque and. And uh, you know, you know, people. Morocco's moderate, but there's some radicals, and they almost they almost got him in the jail. And we kept him out of jail by a bribe in court, in an Islamic court. Um, but that doesn't, doesn't mean it's gone. You know, he's still at risk. We just. We just avoided a bullet for the time being. All these, all these Moroccans who become Christian are at risk, uh, much greater risk than any of us expatriates ever will be. So, <clears throat> but again, suffering is is a is a fact of life for 
for all Christians and um, and our obligation to rejoice in it is universally shared um, and and the fact that God will be with us through these trials that that's brought out in verse 13 it says so that also at the revelation of his glory no let's see no verse 14 after saying you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you that's definitely pointing to the fact that the Holy Spirit is with us and will and will help us through our our, our sufferings um, we haven't been left alone so I just uh, have enjoyed studying this and and uh, and it just thought you know this really is a part of scripture a big part of scripture that has not been that real to me um, and and it's just kind of it's just it's brought home as I read the book of Acts which which I'm doing a lot of I just don't see my life in the book of Acts other than taking opportunities to preach the gospel to whoever will listen but the reactions seem to be more positive than whereas in Acts it seems to, it's a mixed bag for sure but the reaction is far more severe than it is at Bertolino's or wherever I'm at it's, it's very tame here um, so you know maybe this is just a reminder to Willie that you know life's not over and, and you just don't know what the future holds you could see the kind of persecution and acts here in, in our little world um, and goodness just this week there was a Christian somewhere back east who who, we, who said he, he or this business said they wouldn't take their product to a homosexual wedding well that caused a big did you read about this that caused a big uproar and the person lost his they closed the doors to the business and that's I mean that's just a mom and pop operation the guy says he doesn't say I'm not going to serve homosexuals I'm just not going to go to their wedding and, and it's all over the news I mean that's that's real threatening to all of us uh, and just shows you things are changing and uh, you know, the rest of that story is, is good and, you know, people end up sending them a million bucks you know, online uh, and, and the story's not over I don't know the end of it, never will I just know, I was listening to that because I got a mom and pop operation and I got homosexuals in my business and I just never crossed swords with them and so I've never they have and they spoke their mind and they got in big trouble so that exists right now for anybody working in the workplace today so let's let's just be thankful for it, it's certainly a blessing to 
be in an environment where we're really not that threatened. Uh, but we, we're we're all we're also in an environment where we're, we're, we're under the obligation, as, as all true blue believers have been, to to present the gospel. The, if and we just can't let loose of that. That's that's a big deal to, to us. Is taking opportunities that come our way to say something about Jesus. That that's uh, we are under obligation to do that, and um, and we're just fooling ourselves if we let all those go by and never never speak up. Uh, so let's pray and just. Uh, Look for those opportunities and just ask God to give us uh, boldness and, and grace to uh, glorify Him when, when, when uh, the opportunity comes our way. Father, we just uh, thank you for uh, those like uh, Paul and Barnabas who, who stood up and, and, and spoke your name uh, boldly and, and were th- uh, thrown out and just turned around and went right back. Lord, we admire that kind of faith and courage. And although we're, we seldom see that uh, in, in our little world, Lord, uh, we, we do uh, see people going to hell and, 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 and really don't know anything about you, God. And, and we just pray that you'll give us uh, the grace and the courage to, uh, to speak up and, and, and tell them about uh, the gospel that you've given us, Lord. We, uh, we love you and, and we thank you that, that we know uh, where we're going and we don't know when, but we, uh, we know where we're headed. And we're, we're so thankful, Lord. Thank, thank you for these uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, just bless this week and uh, uh, this uh, rest of this day in Jesus name Amen Amen.